certainly appreciate the prayer. I would ask that you would continue to pray for me, that God would grant us with his spirit and fill our hearts and open our eyes that we might hear the gospel message and it might reside in our hearts, abide there, and make a difference in our lives. Uh, the subject that I have on my mind this morning is the truth. We live in a day and time where there's an absolute assault on the truth, if you would. But before we get in that, uh, what, what is truth? Let's think about that for just a moment. What is truth? Well, truth are, is facts. It's, it's what's real. It's reality. Truth is not what we dream up. It's what is actually happened. I'll give you an example of truth, and all of us can relate to this truth. Every morning that we've lived upon this earth, every one of us, we can honestly say that the sun has came up and the sun has went down. That's a fact. That's not something that somebody told us that's not real. It's reality. And we live in a time where many people are not living in what I call reality. They've aborted the truth. They're assaulting the truth. But I believe the truth is extremely important. And the Bible has the truth in it. It has God's truth in it. In this Bible, in the King James Version of the Bible, I believe you have the absolute truth of Almighty God. We know that when this Bible was translated by the king in the English language, if you go study the history of that, there were 54 men set apart. And I'm not going to get into those details, but if you study the history of the King James Version, done in 1611, you cannot help but see that the Lord was in the matter. I find it to be an amazing thing when you look out across time and you see the Lord is in the matter, whether it be the writing of His Word or other things such as the Constitution of the United States. And we'll touch on that in a minute. We know that in this Bible that God's Word is spoken to us in truth. There are no errors in God's Word. There really aren't. None whatsoever. If we find errors in God's Word, we find them in our minds. God, God did not contradict Himself. God did not change his mind down through time. The changes come about by men. When the translators translated the Bible, they done it through formal equivalency, which means direct translation, direct. Not through di dynamic equivalence, which means interpretation. Some of you might say, well, what does that mean? Well, let's read a couple of verses, and, and this is not my subject, it's the truth. But over in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Not a one. If you go and had time and you want to study the copyright laws of the Bible, you'll find that God is the author of the Bible. And all other versions are derivatives. They have to have the names changed because the copyright laws. God is the author of the Bible. Forty men wrote this book, over 40 men. But they're not the author. These are God's words. God Almighty. From the first word of the book of Genesis to the last word of the book of Revelation. Some people say, well, the Bible's hard. It's difficult. It very well may be. But you know, the Bible is not a, a once-read-over book, and as, as many books are, that you can go read and then... Uh, 
You can take a refresher course occasionally to keep up with it. We're told in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. First of all, we find several things there. The apostle Paul was telling his young son in the ministry, he was brought up under Paul, Timothy was. That's how he learned the scriptures and he learned what he preached and he learned what he taught. But this scripture and this verse is relevant to each and every child of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. We're not studying for any other purpose. We're not studying to uh, boast of our own works, our own studies, or to get praise from other men. We're seeking God's approval. Furthermore, it's a work. It's a hard work. A lot of people say, well, if you're preaching or you're studying the Word of God, it's, you're not doing anything. But I tell you, if you're going to understand anything about the Bible, it's a work. And it's a continuous work. And even when you get to the end of your days, you can honestly say, I've not even touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to God's truth. That's the vast knowledge we have in, in God's Word. Furthermore, it says if, if you're to rightly divide the Word of truth, truth cannot be divided, but the Word of truth can be. It must be that you can wrongly divide the Word of truth. And I bring this up because it's always important that you understand the context from, for which things are being spoken of. You know, we know that Jesus Christ is truth. He says in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man will go to heaven except through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a certainty. Now, that's not an invitation to come to Christ, and I bring that up because back over in John 6 and 44, Jesus himself said, No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Matter of fact, he says the same thing twice in that chapter in John 6.65. So we have to reconcile the scriptures. God's word is in perfect harmony. It's our minds and our ideas that are not in perfect harmony. Let me give you one more example and we'll move on. The word perish. We're told over in 2 Peter chapter 3, I believe it's verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that verse teaching us that we must repent to go to heaven? If it is, Jesus didn't tell the truth in John chapter 10, did he? Couldn't have. You can't put the two verses together. Jesus says, my sheep know me. They follow me. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. The point I want to bring out is you must reconcile those verses. They must come together in harmony. That's what rightly dividing the word of truth is. In the old times, uh, uh, there were many tent makers, and they would take two pieces of canvas or a piece of canvas and cut it in half where those two pieces would come together and jointly fit together in perfect harmony. That's what we're to do with the word of God. That's why we're to study. That's why it's a work. We must understand that not all the time is it, it, it concerning the same thing. For example, in, in Ephesians 2 and 8, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's pretty simple there. When you were born again of the Spirit of God, when you were quickened and made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were given the gift of faith. You were given that gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit, as we're told in Galatians chapter 5. But let's go over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Paul, Timothy under his tutelage, preaching the gospel, he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. 
continue in them. For in doing so, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Which is it? One place he says it's not of yourselves. This place he says it is of yourselves. They're both right. But one of them is talking about a deliverance here in time. A deliverance here at the very moment. The other is talking about a deliverance from death and trespasses and sins to a life in Christ. It's talking about eternal deliverance in Ephesians chapter 2. Very easy to understand that. If we don't study and divide the word of God, rightly divide it, it leads to confusion. It leads to believing there are contradictions in the word of God. So God's truth is extremely important. We want to look at the overall truth of God's word as we go forward here a little bit this morning. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say I am one way or I am part of the truth. He is the truth. He is the truth personified. He is the absolute measurement of all truth. He's the truth of how we're to live in this life. It is God who set forth the moral standard, the absolute moral standard in this world in which we live that's actually being assaulted at a tremendous rate in our life. We may not all agree on all things in this life, but I'll tell you one thing that hasn't changed is the Ten Commandments and the things that God said were sin, they're still sin. I want you to think about what God, oh, Timothy told, was told by Paul in 1 Timothy 4 and 8. He said, bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable in all things, having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. Jesus is our hope today. He's our hope tomorrow, and he'll be our hope all the way into eternity. He is the only hope that we have in this life, and he is the truth. He is the truth. We need to keep that in mind as we go forward. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. You know, we were told in the Gospel of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning. What is said there is, is the Word is capitalized with a capital W, meaning He's the eternal Word, the eternal Logos, the true living Son of God. Why did He come and become Jesus Christ? Because God is eternal. It was impossible for God to die. Did you know that? God cannot die. He's from everlasting to everlasting. It's impossible. But man, man sinned and man must pay the penalty. There was no man found to pay the penalty. Jesus Christ, the only perfect sinless man that ever lived. Verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only gotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is truth. Verse 17 says, The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. People in the world are going to tell you this is the truth and that is the truth, but I'm going to tell you if it doesn't measure up to the truth of God's word in any capacity, it's not the truth. You know, it's as big a deal to kill someone, to steal, to lie, to have another God before the only true and living God today as it ever was. As it was the day that God himself, with his finger, wrote those ten commandments in those stones on Mount Sinai in the presence of Moses. That hadn't changed. You and I have changed. The world has changed. And this is not the first time it's changed. Solomon said over in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, that has been is that is what we're doing now. I'm paraphrasing that. And what we're doing now, if the Lord doesn't return, it'll be done again. 
There's nothing new under the sun. But we're living in some difficult times, are we not? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, In the last days, peerless times shall come. Those last days begin when Jesus himself ascended back into heaven. We've been living in him for thousands of years, and somebody might say, well, uh, that, that's been a lot of days. But you know, when you think about eternity, a place where there's no beginning of days or ending of days, our life is but a moment. Peter told us over in the fourth chapter, of the, uh, uh, James did, excuse me, over in the fourth chapter of James, what is a man's life? It is but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. You know, as I've gotten older, I can see the life vanishing away. And it just seems to pick up speed as, I, as we go further down the road. When you was young, it seemed like this and that time of life would never get there. And now it looks like we're racing to the finish line, or at least I feel like I am sometimes. You know, time is just it's, it's accelerating. It's not slowing down. But the one thing we can depend upon is God and his truth. You know, I think the greatest attribute of Almighty God is the fact that God cannot and never will change. Malachi 3 and 6, he says, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. God's mercy is continued upon us as a people because God has never changed. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. God is a merciful God. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. We know that our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Our God is sovereign. He's omnipotent in power. He's omniscient. He knows all past, present, and future things. He knows what's going on right now, and he knows what's going to go on tomorrow. That's why we're to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. That's a truth that we need to hold near and dear to us. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. No matter what you're doing in life, acknowledge him. And what did he say? He shall direct your steps. The shalls are so important in the word of God, they mean it's not possible of failure. It's impossible that it won't be accomplished. When God says he shall save his people from their sin, he shall save them. There's no possibility of failure in what the Lord came to do. No possibility. I want to read a verse and move along for a little bit over in Proverbs. Chapter uh, 23. You know, the Lord makes some great analogies in the Bible, and he gets down on our level where the rubber meets the road, if you would, and helps us to understand. Verse 23 says in Proverbs chapter 3, says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction in understanding. Well, you might say, how do I buy the truth? This is an analogy that God used to help us understand. He used another analogy over in Psalms chapter 12. Let's look at that for a minute. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Why did he use that analogy? First of all, nothing on this earth is as pure as Almighty God. But the closest thing to purity that we have is when you put silver into a furnace, and you heat it up hot enough, it burns out all the impurities. You know, have you ever bought any silver today and it says 99.99%? That's about as close to purity as you're going to get in this world. 
But the analogy that God used, the psalmist used, when he penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was that we might understand. That this silver was purified seven times. Seven's a very important word in the Bible, is it not? It carries the meaning of completion. God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Why? Because the work of creation was completed. God's word is complete. It doesn't need any additions. It doesn't need any subtractions. Notice what it says over in the 30th chapter of Proverbs. Verse 5, every word of the God is pure. Every word, not just some of them. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Notice verse 6. Add thou not unto his words, lest thou re he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Add not to the word, nor take away. You can read the same thing in the last chapter of Revelation. God's words are pure. They're perfect. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says he is the rock. His work is perfect. His work is perfect. His words are perfect. We have the perfect word of God, the truth of the word of God set right before us today. His words are perfect. He is the rock. All his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Our God is just and right. His words are true. And we can stand upon the truth of God's word throughout all eternity. God's word is not going away. We're told that all, a lot of things will pass away, but his words will never pass away. They will never. His truth will endure into all eternity. His truth has never changed. Men have made a great attempt to change God's truth down through time to try to accomplish things that they want to accomplish in themselves. We're told that the church that God placed upon the earth is the ground and the pillar of truth. We're told in Matthew chapter 6, or 13, excuse me. We'll read a couple of verses. Verse 45. When the Bible talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it has reference unto the church. And let's notice how valuable God's church is. He says, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went out and sold all that he had and bought it. How important is the truth to you? Is it worth giving up all you have? We're told in Proverbs to buy it, to get a hold of it, and never let it go. We're not to sell it. We're not to depart from the truth. The truth is very important. It says also wisdom and instruction and understanding. God's wisdom is God's truth. The knowledge of God leads to understanding. Notice what value he puts on wisdom in Proverbs 3. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than merchandise of silver and the gain thereof. Of fine gold. Everybody in this world thinks silver and gold is just so precious and so important. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Truth is priceless, it's infinite. 
And I'm telling you, there's a salt on the truth today. Even though all Christians don't agree on all things when it comes to the moral law of God's word, I think there's overall agreement. I couldn't say it's 100%. I heard a man professing to be a Christian here just in the last few weeks. I heard him, didn't listen to him long. He just was telling how there were several books of the Bible that, that weren't correct. Uh, you know, you had those kind of folks teaching heresy and, and all kinds of things. You know, we're told over in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul told Timothy, he said, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Unfortunately, I think we're out of season this day and age that we're living in. But Paul told Timothy, regardless of the times, the situation, or the circumstances, you preach the truth. You keep preaching the word of God. In verse 4, he says, for the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, sound instruction. But they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn their ears away from the truth and be turned unto fables, unto fiction. That's happened in the past, and I certainly believe it will happen going forward in our lives. Truth's important, very important. Let's notice some things in the Word of God that those who are trying to change the truth. You know, it begins with Satan himself, the lies. Have you ever lived in a time that you've heard more lies being spoken? Do you know there are good God-fearing people out there that are believing lies? If you hear a lie spoken long enough, you'll believe it. And I tell you, if you turn on the TV, you're going to hear a lot of lies. And if that's all you listen to and you don't, uh, are not able to engage in checking that out and investigating it further and, and doing other things to seek the truth, you can be one that believes the lie. That's Satan. He, it's one of his specialties. We're he was told in John chapter 8 that he was a liar from the beginning. He's the father of lies. It's amazing sometimes how I believe in this world people come near believing a lie, then they do the truth. Then they do the truth. You know, there are things going on in the world in which we live today that have certainly changed. What about Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20? It says, For the time will come that they will call evil good and good evil. And they will put darkness for light and light for darkness. And they will put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Friends, I'm here to tell you we're witnessing one of those times in our life. I told you the greatest attribute of Almighty God was is He doesn't change. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can assure you standing here today that God's view of sin has never changed. No matter what you think of it or I think of it, God's view of it has never changed. Sin is sin today as it was from the very beginning. But we live in a time where the truth's being assaulted, where even Christianity is being persecuted more than most people think, and that persecution may continue to get worse. Are you going to stand for the truth? The world doesn't want you to stand for the truth. They want you to fall in line with their way of thinking. And their narratives. But when it comes to God's absolute moral law, His truths will stand. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 12. 
It says in verse 19, the lip of truth shall be established forever. God's truth cannot be done away with. Back over there in the Psalms 12, it says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, talking about his words that were purified. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. We have the Bible today in our presence, and it will always be there, not because man has continued to print it, it's because Almighty God has preserved it. He has kept it, and we will always have it because it is God's power that keeps the word of God. Men have tried and wanted to destroy God and his, and his children forever. Jesus claimed, if you follow him, he said, they hated me and they'll hate you. I'll, I'll assure you, if you do the right thing, they're not going to like you and they're not going to love you because you don't fall in line with their way of thinking. Let's go over and read a few verses from Romans chapter 1. Talking about the times that we live in. We begin in verse 22 of Romans chapter 1. Most folks, if they've read Romans chapter 1, they know exactly where I'm going and what I'm talking about. It says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they changed themselves, <coughs> and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four footed beasts, and to creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness. Through the lust of their own hearts, dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Do you know that's been man's number one problem throughout all of history? Man has always thought he had a better way than God. He has a better way to worship than God set forth in the book of Acts. He has a better way to do all things than God. That's nothing new. It's going on today. We know that what God said was a sin. They're telling us it's okay, very acceptable. There's nothing wrong with it. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affection, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. We all know what's being under consideration there, and we know what's going on in the world that we live in today. I'm here to tell you, God said that was a sin, and I don't declare it to be any greater sin than any other sin but it sure hadn't changed into a non-sin. That's what the world would have you to believe. I'm telling you, God's truth will stand. It will stand throughout all of history. Let's notice over in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. End of discussion. That is God's truth. Regardless of what any man tells you out here, regardless of what you might see on any news program, any other thing, that is the truth according to thus saith the Lord. And I'm not here to jump on people that have done the wrong thing. We're all sinners and we've all come short of the glory of God. We're told in the seventh chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Not one of us. You know, there are some people who believe that if they get to a state in life that they no longer sin. 
Some people have said when I used to sin, but we're told over in 1 John chapter 1, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Unfortunately, we still have this old human nature walking around, dealing with us, that is contrary to the Spirit of God, that oftentimes leads us in the wrong direction to do the wrong thing. It takes a strong, conscious effort to walk in the ways of the Lord, to open our eyes and keep them open to God's truth. We're not to depart from God's truth. We're to continue. Even if you're the last person standing up for the truth of God's word, that's what we ought to do. And we may get down to that point. There's a couple of fellows that kind of asked that question. When Abraham asked about Sodom and Gomorrah, if there would be 50, and you know what he done, he went on down to 10. We know the only three or four that, that left there was Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. And then I think about, I told folks, I said, how would you like for Christians today to pray the prayer of Elijah? Elijah prayed that God would bring a, a great, terrible famine to the land of the children of Israel. And God granted his request. James chapter 1 gives us that as an example of the effectual, righteous uh, prayer of a, 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 of a child of God. It's a fervent prayer. You know, it was a tough time. But the children of Israel had gotten off base. And to some degree, I believe God's children have gotten off base. You know, we've lost sight of how we're supposed to worship God. People ask me what's went wrong. We're told that we're to let our light so shine that others seeing our good works might glorify our Father which art in heaven. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid. But since I was a kid to the time that we're living in now, I believe the light of Christianity overall, overall has become dimmer and dimmer. You could take a graph and just run it down from over the last 50 years. It's not that evil's any worse than it ever was. It's not darkness any worse than it ever was. Go out in the night light and look out in the sky at the stars, and they're very bright, but they're all surrounded in darkness just like you and I are in this life. But as light begins dimmer and dimmer, as man becomes less illuminating in the Lord Jesus Christ, the evil that's there becomes very much more present, manifested. As a matter of fact, we see it in a big way today compared to any time that I've lived, which has not been very much time in comparison to how long the earth's been here. Friends, I tell you, and I, I, I urge you, and I, I pray for you that you do not depart from the truth of God's word. The immorality we see going on today. Now, we're all sinners, and, and we all make mistakes. But when we get to the point of calling sin okay, evil good and good evil, it's gone too far. And God, in His holiness and His righteousness, there's going to come a day that the long-suffering will end here. May we pray that God will continue to be merciful to us, and may we continue to serve the Lord. Psalms 33 and we'll close there on a few verses. It says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. God's word is right. It's righteousness. If you want to know how to act, you want to know how to treat your children, the truth's in God's word. You know, many of us send our children off to, to be educated in, in every capacity there is. But you know, the truth of the matter is, God obligated you mothers and fathers, including myself, to train up your children in every respect. That wasn't just in the Bible, but explicitly in the Bible. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but train them up 
from the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's the truth. That's what we're supposed to do. Husbands and wives, you know, before when time was early on, God established the family first before he ever established worship and government. And I can assure you, as the family goes, so goes our churches and so goes our nation. Families are broken in this country, and that's the truth. And the only way this can be fixed is to look unto God's truth and God's word. Back over in Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll close with this verse this morning. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. You know, that tells me that God's children can, can forsake mercy and truth. Solomon said, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. Truth is important. Many people have departed the truth in the way of the Lord in this country. It's not the first time. You read through the course of history. You just think about the children of Israel when they crossed over the land of Canaan. Up until the time their descendants were taken captive in Babylon. They went from a point of serving the Lord to a point of almost a godless society. In Isaiah chapter 30... There was a point in time there in the middle of that chapter when they were saying, don't, don't tell us the truth. Prophesy unto us smooth things. Preach to us what you want to hear. We want to hear it. And they said in the next verse, remove the Holy One from our presence. You know, I, I don't know where, where it come up. I was watching last year before the election, and there was a big, large group, thousands of people standing in this group in California, and there was one sign showing that someone was holding up on a picket. And that sign said, get God out of California. That's the thinking of some people in this world today. Uh, I'd hate to be the person that did that because uh, I'd hate to answer for the Lord, to the Lord on that matter. But that's, that's the way of the world. That's not God's truth. Uh, we can't shun ourselves to what's going on. I, just, I encourage you to, to stand for God's truth, to never depart uh, God's truth, and to never forsake it because it's important. It matters. God's moral law will always be the same. It's, I don't care how many people change. I don't care how many laws are made that are against God's rule, God's way, and God's truth. God's truth will stand through all eternity. May we be blessed to stand with him. I thank you for your time this morning or for your patience, and may God bless you. Uh,